Well, hello and welcome to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thanks for joining us today here in studio. I guess it's our guest studio. I'm in my wife's classroom instead of my <laughs> own classroom today because of the cold. Uh, but we're here with Josh Calhoun, who's a student uh, ministries pastor at Central Christian here in Beloit, Wisconsin. Also, you might know him from Citizen Way. Josh, welcome to our podcast. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Glad to be here. So we're talking about worship. Yeah. And so I thought I'd bring in somebody who might actually have some experience in that area. <laughs> um, I play a banjo, and by play, yeah. uh, I'm really using quotation marks over that. Uh, so, Josh, tell us, when you think about worship, what is worship? Gosh, uh, I... So many times within the church, we we consider worship as 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 a part of like a, a service. Yeah, like you you show up to church, and the worship time is the song time, the music yep. time, and then it's the message time, and then it's the offering or communion time. Um, we segregate all all yeah. of those stages of the service. I I think worship is like it says in Colossians three seventeen, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, yeah. do it all for the glory of God. Um, I think our lives are an entire spiritual act of worship. Yeah, it's not just song or right. or what have you. And that's the key. It's, it's also the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, yes, acknowledging God's glory, acknowledging God's superiority, acknowledging God's greatness and awesome. I mean, that's I think that's the heart of the essence of worship. Absolutely, it's it's, gosh, giving. It's kind of like giving God what He's due. Right. Like you are, you're incredible. You're awesome. It's. It's negative two out today, but thank you for today. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Well, I'm going to read a, a technical definition. My, my yeah. technical, uh, I've cut this quite short uh, from D.A. Carson, the theologian of theologians. <laughs> Worship is the proper response of all moral, sentient beings to God, ascribing all honor and worth to their creator God, precisely because he is worthy and delightfully so. Hmm. Um, it, it's a res- so. Worship is a response to what God has already done and acknowledging that. Yes. And that's, again, as you said, so much more than just music. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, if I'm uh, leading worship at church, yeah. and I put that in quotes right there, um, but basically if I'm leading the songs, um, congregational songs at church, um, oftentimes I'm also introducing communion. Mm. And, and a lot of times with communion, I say, now's our time in worship to remember. Yeah like you said, to acknowledge what God has done and remind ourselves, remind our hearts, remind our heads of all the grace that he has bestowed upon us, all the love he's lavished, yeah. and that kind of thing. And communion is one of those things where, I mean, that is, uh, it's an intense act of worship. Yes. And it's, it's I, I love the whole, uh, the last time we had uh, communion at our church, um, if you've ever been to our church, we have the communion table set out with the elements there and right in the background you see this the huge cross we have yeah. in the background and, and seeing the the elements of the table in contrast to not in contrast to but right right in front of the cross yeah that that picture in and of itself yeah uh reminds us of what god has done yeah and again and that's and this is and what christ commanded us to do this um, as often as we do this in remembrance, remembrance. Yep. So, yeah, it's not only an act of worship, but it's it's a physical act. You go and you, yes. you taste and you uh, take part in yes. all this, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, my mind goes to, to Romans twelve. Yeah, that we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our act of worship. Yeah, and so as you said, music is not 
just uh, worship is not just music, right? But you live a life that is worship. It's 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 what John the Baptist taught. It's repentance. Mm-hmm. It's turning away from anything that stands in between you and God, getting yeah. it out of the way, turning your back to that, so that you can face everything you do for God. Basically, right. you, you mentioned it's an act of repentance. Yeah, it's not an act of legalism. No, in the sense that we don't do these things so that we can somehow uh, improve our standing with God or to impress other people. Right. Or it's just not. It's not just mere self-discipline. Yes. But we're doing this in response to what Christ has done. Yes. And again, as you said, to grow closer to what to to our relationship with Christ. Oh, absolutely. I I think honestly, I think sin. Um, we are grace has covered us of sin. Yeah. Um, but I think us continuing to commit known acts of sin. Um, say I've got a, a dirty habit. Say I'm a, a closet drinker. Sure. Um, and that that habit of known sin is keeping me away from Christ. His grace has covered that sin. Right. Where I'm holy in the face of God. Um, but it's also keeping me from uh, an intimate relationship. Yeah. Which I think that intimate relationship is the ultimate act of worship. Right. It's knowing Christ. It's it's knowing what He wants me to do. It's knowing what He wants from me. Um, but it's also me knowing Him. Yeah. And knowing Him at an at an intimate level, like I would know my wife, yeah. or like I would know my daughters. Um, it's knowing Him even beyond that extent. Yeah. Like you would a best friend. Where you know their favorite color, you know their favorite food, yeah. you know what to give them at Christmas time. Um, I, I may have reduced Jesus down to that, but <laughs> I, I, that my intention is, it's it's an intimate act of getting to know Him at that right. level and knowing that He knows me at that level. I teach systematic theology here at the school, and my first lecture, and yes, I'm one of those guys that lectures. Sorry, it's it's <laughs> what I do. Um, my first lecture is about why do we study systematic theology? Yeah. Because of what you just said. Because it's it's not. Uh, knowing what the hypostatic union is is not going to get my prayers answered quicker. Right. But it is going to help me in my relationship with Jesus because I want to know everything there is to know about him. Right. Whether it's favorite color or you know, all right. those things that we do in a, in, right. a, in a human relationship. But I want to know everything there is to know about God. Yep. And I think that pursual yeah. of God is that that is worship. I'm right. doing this because he is worthy. Because yeah. he is he is uh, all that I desire, and that is giving God glory. Yep, absolutely. Well, and, and knowing God at that level, your prayers may not be answered faster, but you know what to pray. Right. And you're the one now praying, all right, your will be done, Father. Yeah. And because you know him at that intimate level, he's going to be share, sharing what his will for you right. to do is. Um, and so it's not necessarily a speed of prayer being answered, but it's a, I already know what you want from me. Yeah. And I'm going to act on that. And that acting on it and that knowing of what you want from him is that whole-encompassing worship. Well, we, we, we were talking just a little bit before we recorded about the woman at the well in John yeah. 4. And Jesus speaks of a time where you will worship me. And they're debating about, do I worship uh, in Jerusalem, the temple, or other places? And Jesus says, there, there's going to be a time where you're going to be worshiping me in spirit and in truth. Yep. And as I get to know God, we talked about praying to him well I my worship is going to be affected by what I know about God yeah. I worship him only in spirit and truth knowing 
Um, I, I'm, I'm worshiping God because I know who he is. And I have that reality in my heart. And because yeah. I have that reality, that, that intensifies my worship. Yes, absolutely. It's, God, it's that remembering what he's done for you. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. So you've got, you've got the Egyptians. They're, they're rescued out of Egypt. They mm. see God rescuing them from Pharaoh. They cross the Red Sea and all this. And it's, it's incredible to be an eyewitness of that, but how easily we tend to forget mm. that intimate relationship. Intimacy also means that you're pursuing, you're actively going after yeah. that relationship. So it's a daily Right. thing and when you're with the person you're always being reminded of oh he loves me he loves me he loves me yeah. but the moment we start becoming human and forgetting yeah it's it takes our eyes off of what he's always done for us and then we start producing what false idols like yeah. they did they said Aaron all right we need something to worship right and are you gonna are we gonna allow these false things to get in the way of an intimate relationship yeah. with the creator of the universe just because we're forgetful you know it's just, you hit on something really important that we need something to worship. Right. As human beings, we Absolutely. were created for worship. Yep. And if we're not going to worship the true God, there is something that's going to fill that void, some yeah. idol or some false concept. Yeah. And I, I fear even within uh, some Christian circles, there's a false concept of God that's being worshipped. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I'm teaching through Old Testament right now, the Old Testament survey class, and how many times... Do we see God going back? Remember the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. Remember yeah, the remember. Lord that... Remember, remember, remember. Yeah. Um, which is, is fascinating to me. Even, you know, we look at the book of Psalms, which is, yeah. I mean, the first book of worship, the first psalm book, uh, hymn book uh, that the church knew. How many times in the Psalms does God go back and say, remind you of all this? Yeah. Because we're so tempted to forget. You know, yeah. in our culture today, there's there's so many... Uh, you know, I say idols, but sometimes if I use that word that that muddies the waters a little bit, there are so many distractions. Yes. Whether it's the Netflix binge that I'm on or yeah. the phone that's glued to my hand, which amazingly is not on my hand right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there's so much out there uh, vying for my attention. Right. I need those reminders. Right. And that's why worship is so important because yeah. it, it does set my mind right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we consider idolatry, I know in Western world, we think idolatry is having a statue right. or something um, iconic or, or old and arbitrary yeah. to our generation. But that's, it's not at all the case. It's, it is our phones. It's Netflix right. binging. It's, it's addictions to pornography or yeah. alcoholism or even um, addictions to needing to be loved. Yeah. Um, by all the wrong things, it's like the old country song, find, uh, like looking for love in all the right. wrong places. Like I think that's an addiction. Yeah. Um, for a lot of teenagers, so I work with a lot of students, right. and I'm finding they're always looking for somebody to love them. Yeah. And if their parents aren't giving it, they're going to go somewhere else. And a lot of times, they're going to be looking for it in friends. Girls are looking for it in boys. Guys looking for it in girls. Um, looking for it in the dark places on the yeah. internet, and it's horrible and it's horrifying, and it's only going to lead to death. And, and instead, um, God's calling us, like, worship me. Yeah. Worship me, because I'm the only one who can fill right. you up. I'm the only one who will never let you down. And, um, but if you start worshiping every other thing, yeah. he's like, it's only going to lead to death. Well, and that's what makes these idols so alluring, is that it takes what only God can 
give right. and it corrupts it. That's why we find yeah. it appealing because there is a part of that. Yeah. Uh, pornography. God created us for sex. Right. God created that as a wonderful gift within the confines of marriage, yep. which is a beautiful and wonderful thing. I, I tell my students all the time, sex is great. I highly recommend it. And it, <laughs> you, know, you always get the last whatever. But in essence, that's true yeah. because God has given us that. But Satan takes that natural God-glorifying desire and yep. twists it and perverts it into something else yes. that leads us away from God. Uh, but it's it's that desire for love, it's that desire for acceptance that allures us away. And what's so deadly about that is there is a fulfillment for that in Christ. Right. God does give us those things. I think it was Augustine who said that God has given us a God-shaped hole yeah. inside of us that only he can fill. And we're trying to fill that with all this other junk, and that's why it's so addictive because... You always need more because it doesn't right. fill, right. And, it, and it doesn't satisfy, yep. and it's taking you away from the only thing that really can. Yeah. And that, I think, if going back to worship, yeah. when we understand that, that makes worship all the more sweet and all the more joyful right. and all the more satisfying. Yes, yes. I find a lot of, um, a lot of students, but I'll even see it at church, um, I, I a lot of times worship with my eyes open when I'm mm. singing. Yeah. Um, and... Um, because I, I, I really enjoy watching the congregation. And, it, and as a leader, it helps me lead better right. um, because I see, okay, they're not really jiving on this chorus or this bridge, so we're not going to repeat it the second time. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. But I'm also very encouraged because I see see the worship happening, but I also see in that, I also see a lot of lack of singing along, a right. lot of lack of even um, engaging in that intimacy because – a lot of us don't know that intimacy. Yeah. And so therefore, with my students, they don't know Christ yeah. the way you and I might. Um, right. And part of that's just going through life yeah. and all of its ups and downs. And you realize, man, God is good and he's mm. faithful. And so when I was 17, I didn't realize how good and faithful God was because right. I hadn't gone through any hardships. Yeah. My biggest hardship was probably like not studying for a test. I should have. Yeah. I was like, God, please help me. Um, but then you go through life and you, you see death and you yeah. see um, hospital visits and you see real circumstances that are really painful. Right. Um, and that helps us to, to engage in worship because we see and we remember yeah. how faithful God has been through those times. But without that intimacy, you can sing any song and it's not necessarily going to be like – oh. Um, any kind of form of enjoyment like right. you talked about it's going to be more of a burden like oh yeah. i got to deal with how long is this song this hymn has how many verses yeah. <laughs> um you rather repeat that chorus again really? oh you're like seriously um but uh like uh in first samuel 15 he's like i'd rather i'd rather have your obedience than this five minutes of your time yeah. that you're sacrificing because you think i want it you're coming to church thinking that it's what I want, but you're not obeying me any other time yeah. of the week. So what kind of gift of worship are you actually offering me right. here? Um, I want to hit on something you mentioned. You, yeah. you mentioned looking at the congregation as you're singing. Yeah. Uh, I was reading a book by, I'm going to butcher this name, but Sabidi <laughs> Anyabwile. Okay. And I can't even remember the title of the book, but uh, he was mentioning uh, a service he was in. Yeah. And they did something completely different that he's never, never experienced before. Yeah. But as they began to sing, the the worship leader said, "All right, I want you to stop." And he had the church turn and face each other. Ooh. And as they were singing, they were looking at another person. Yeah. And he said, "You know, they're they're basing this off of Colossians three and verse sixteen. 
Um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. But this is in the context of ministering to each other. Yeah. So here, songs, yeah. hymns, and spiritual songs, you're singing that to each other. Now, oftentimes we, we think, about, all right, well, we're, we're going to sing to God. But in another sense, you are ministering to other people. Yeah. It's, it's a corporate act of worship Absolutely. that helps each other in your worship to God. Yes. Well, and I'll say that a lot of times, um, especially with students, because when I'm introducing, like, guys, this is the reason we sing. Yeah. Because there, there was a long season where I was like, why do we gather together and sing songs? It yeah. seems a little unusual. It seems a little old-fashioned. Um, but then I God started introducing to me why why we do that. And part of the reasons is we're singing truth over one another. Yeah. You know, um, singing or, you know, worshiping in spirit and in truth. Well, um, those of us who are coming full of the love of Christ and full of that intimacy, we can be the brothers and sisters singing the truth over yeah. those who aren't getting it or don't right. feel like God has been faithful um, or like they have anything to offer. Yeah. You know, we're, we're singing over them and we're building them up, we're lifting them up, yeah. we're being shoulders to lean on, even in the midst of just singing songs. Right. You know, I, I don't know how many times I've come to a service, you know, it's one of those classic things you know where you're, you're you're fighting with your wife in the morning the car doesn't start you're yelling at your kids on the way yep. then you walk in the building and you're smiling yeah. and whatever but <laughs> you know as hypocritical as that sounds that's when you need worship the most right that's when I need to walk into that service and I may be grumpy and whatnot and I've and I've I've actually tried to not smile sometimes yeah. just to, to let people know I'm in a bad mood but you know when we begin to worship I I it, it refocuses my mind Absolutely. on what is true. And that's why I need to show up at church when I've had those bad mornings, when yes. I feel like a complete hypocrite. Because yep. in reality, I am a complete hypocrite. And this is what resets my mind. Yeah. Even before the preaching of the word, which is, again, intensely important. But worship focuses my mind on God. Mm -hmm. It also focuses my mind on others. Um, Absolutely. We talk about dangers to avoid. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of talk about the worship wars. Oh sure. You know, should we talk? You know, should we sing more contemporary songs, and should we sing more hymns? And I, I like both of those. But I remember reading, um, I think it was Russell Moore, who talked about you know the problem with the worship wars is we're not thinking about each other. Right. And this is an act of not just worship, but an act of service. I can think of a particular hymn right now. Um, yeah. We, we sang in the church I was in. I I really didn't care for it. Yeah. The theology was fine. It's just the, the it was just dragged. Yeah. But I knew of an older woman in church who just loved that hymn. It was a beloved hymn to her. It it really refreshed her soul. And so when we sang that song, I began to think of her. Yeah. This is not that she's going to be ministered by my particular voice because mm -hmm. nobody is. Um, but when the congregation sings that in a in a in a in a, in a good uh, pace or not a good pace, but a good volume, that ministers to her soul. Absolutely. And so that could be my service to her. I'm going to sing a song I don't particularly like, but I'm going to think about her. Yeah. And that could be said about whether, that could be flipped around where the, maybe the older, the, the grumpy people like me, who <laughs> like the old hymns, and who like, you know what, I can sing, um, I don't like singing ooh in a song, but that's yeah. not, but you know, I can sing the more contemporary songs, because you know what, there are people that are being ministered to this, yeah. too, and I, and I could be a part of that. Absolutely. And I, I think it's an act of service. Yeah. Um, 
not only to God, but to our brothers and sisters, like you said. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I grew up in a church where we did a lot of hymns. Yeah. So, and I loved them. I, I kind of mourn the loss of them um, occasionally sure. when, I, when I run into people who've never sung a hymn. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, but the lyrics are so rich. And, and right. like you said, the theology's all there, and sometimes they can drag. I remember being 10 years old, standing in a pew in our little Baptist church in Wisconsin, and it would hit the fourth verse, and I'd look at my friend Matt and be like, oh my gosh, another <laughs> verse. Like, this yeah. just goes on and on, and there's, there's no, not even like a rhythm you can clap to right, or right. stomp your foot to. You're just standing there, hands folded, and trying to get through it. Yeah. Um, but then as I grew older and I started, um, they, the church moved on to everything being on a screen yeah. in the, the late 90s. And so we literally got rid of our hymnals. Yeah. We still used the hymns, but just didn't have the hymnals. And I remember I got to take one home. And I'm a songwriter. I'm a yeah. musician. And I remember just started just digging into that hymn. Yeah. And I started rewriting them. I didn't hmm. – I, I saw all the music in there, but I couldn't, I couldn't read piano music. So I'm like, ah. Uh, I don't know, I'll just make it, make it up. And I started making up new music to these hmm. lyrics and realizing, oh my gosh, these lyrics are good. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of truth here. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of fruit here. And it does, it refreshes your soul. Right. Um, just as reading God's word should mm. and, and will if you, if you allow it. Right. Um, man, I, I think, I think we, I think we reduce um, the music art of worship um, a great deal if we don't allow God's word in it yeah and I think sometimes that's the case I'm very as a music worship leader I'm very picky yeah about the songs that I choose to sing because I, I do think there are some songs out there that are um, oh this song's just filled with a lot of obscure water references yeah I don't I don't know what that means right um, and I don't feel like the congregation's gonna either unless I give a minute blurb on this is what yeah. this reference is and this is what this reference is rather than man you you go through those hymns and you're like oh my gosh this just states it right you're singing the reference yeah <laughs> and you're singing the the background to the reference oh um and but i think that also I, goes both ways too. yes you can do that with some contemporary music and there are some hymns um that are old and just because something old doesn't mean it's deep right because there are some stuff that's just like Weird. Yeah. That's just. I don't think we use that word anymore. (laughs) I remember singing a song. It was in a hymnal. It was, you know, it's just Jesus and me as we walk along. And it's just like, this could be written by a five year old. I don't know. Um, Right. (laughs) But, and there are some contemporary songs I looked at and I delved into, and it's like, you know what? This is really deep. This is really. Yes. I can see references. Oh, to scripture yeah. all throughout this. This is a beautiful song. I may not like the tune, right? But the theology in here is solid. Absolutely, and I'm I'm so thankful that we have writers out there yeah. who are producing um, biblically sound music for right. us to sing on a on a weekend or every day. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that's out there on the radio now. Thank right. God. Um, and and I think that's a blessing. Going back to the worship roars, I remember yeah. firsthand being a part of it. Um, and well, wanting to have like percussion and drums yeah. in our church, and there were some older people um, who thought that any kind of rhythm when yeah. it came to the music was was the devil's music. Yeah, uh, it was basically like, well, you're just you. Uh, the devil took music by taking rock and roll right. and making it something popular, and he's like, we can't bring that into the church. Right. And I said, why not? Why can't we? T-? Like. Uh, 
Larry Norman. Like, why does the devil yeah. have all the good music? Like, right. let's take it back. God well, created and, music. And I think even that <laughs> is that's a bad theology because it it, it it's presupposes that there's a secular and there's a sacred. Exactly. And when we realize that God created all things, all things, and therefore, you know. Of course, there are some things that are bad because this world is a fallen world. Yeah. But let's redeem that. Yes. And and, and let's bring that back. And, Absolutely. And people, I, I think there are some who just don't understand their history. Because yeah. we, the church has done that. Martin Luther did that. Oh, it took old with, pub songs. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's songs people knew. And you know, and there have been plenty of times I used to. So I got my start leading worship in college. Um, I knew four chords on the guitar mm. when they asked me. I was the drummer, and the worship leader couldn't show up. And they're like, do you know how to play an instrument other than drums? I said, I know four chords on the guitar. I led worship for the next four years. Mm. Um, and I loved it. And that's how I learned how to do it. But a lot of the songs I knew were cover songs yeah. that I played in a band when I was in high school, like rock songs, pop songs. And there were so- songs that we would just insert into our worship time that had such depth to it. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite bands is, is Coldplay. And I know some people will crucify me for this. Sure. Um, I'm hearing people but, clicking off the podcast right now. Probably. But that's okay. <laughs> but, um, but there's songs, and you could tell that Chris Martin is searching. Hmm. He's, lo- he's looking for God. Yeah. And I think, I think every artist is. Man, I, and I think every person is. But artists have this – there's something in an artist's soul and nature that causes them to seek and yeah. search and dig. Um, and I think every artist is, is looking in a way, and sometimes they're looking in the complete wrong direction, right. but sometimes they start turning toward God. And there were lyrics of, of Coldplay songs that we would do, and these students would be like, oh my gosh, that song just hit me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me tonight and told me that I needed to start giving up this or turn to this or start doing this and I'd be hearing this afterwards I'm like wow I, I had no idea I just really liked this song yeah, it's fascinating because I mean we all have desires that only God can fill and again, yeah. that's the whole idea of worship and I, I don't think people are uh, you know Romans 3 talks about there's none that seeks after God mm-hmm. and I think it's because they, they they're not seeking after God per se in the fact that they're in the sense that they're not Seeking after the God of the Bible, right. but they are seeking over those things that all human beings are created for. Yes, and they know that they're missing. Yes, and they're seeking out. And I said, in a sense of, uh, you know, theologically we call it common grace. In that, there are things that God uh, is evident. Yes, and we can get glimpses of that. And yeah. again, I, I think certainly uh, the artist's mentality, the artist's soul. Um, is particularly sensitive toward those things. Yeah, absolutely. And but I'm an artist, but I'm yeah, but yeah. Well, uh, going back to my church, it ended yeah. well. Like, and we all kind of started finding the beauty in it. There were 90 year olds in our church that I loved. One of his, his names was Ivan. He was there, you know, till the day he died. Incredible man. And he, he was the like he backed music that the students wanted. Hmm. Because he knew how important it was to keep students in the church. Yeah. And this is, you know, the mid-90s. And our worship was an acoustic guitar and congas, you know. <laughs> it wasn't like – but it wasn't organ. And it wasn't piano. And it was different. Yeah. And I know some people threw a fit. But he said, you know what? What's important is that we include. And that what you said earlier, it's an act of service. That right. we serve these teenagers. And they're growing up in a different world than we grew up in. Yeah. 
And you know, there was a day when the upright piano was considered, yeah, you know, not worshipful. And so, and now, like it's, you'll find it in most churches. You've got a full band up there. And what I love about um, churches that aren't just a generation, like twenties yeah. to thirties, thirties to forties, whatever. Um, I grew up in a church where it was babies to 90-year-olds. Yeah. Um, the oldest woman in our church, Lucille, she died at 101 six months ago. Incredible woman. And, man, she loved singing whatever songs because she knew the purpose of singing right. corporately. Like you said, we're singing over one another. We're serving one another. And we're praising our God, remembering all he's done. You know, and us. that's the heart of work. One, one of, I think, the, the greatest visions of worship we see is in Revelation 5. Yeah. And um, here we have, around the throne of God, a great time of worship, but we look who's there, and there's people from every tribe and language and people and nation. There is a great diversity there. And for some reason in our church, we we fear diversity. We find comfort in this monotone, uh, very homogenous situation where everyone looks like each other yeah. we're all the same basic age group whatever and we're singing the same hymns the same whatever yeah. but the church of Christ the body of Christ yeah. is much greater than that yeah and why wouldn't music fit into that diverse category right uh, why do we want to just yep. yeah all right well we're, we're running out of time uh, <laughs> but let me as a worship leader let yeah. me ask you this this is something I, I used to struggle with quite a bit yeah um, and I just eventually got over it. Uh, I don't know to the dismay of many, but a lot of us are not musically inclined. Sure, and we don't have a great voice. Um, <laughs> how, what, what what do you recommend? Or what do you, what advice do you give to folks like me who are like, ah, oh, I find it. I, I remember in, in high school, um, sitting in chapel services, and I sat with the same same friends. And these guys were actually like, they formed a little trio of their own. And they, hmm. they had great harmony. Great, and then there's me sitting next to them <laughs> who, you know, forget about carrying a tune in the bucket. I can't carry the bucket. It's, it's, it's bad. Um, and I always felt like intimidated by that. So what, what, what do you say to guys like me? Um, well, I, I, and I, I say this from stage a lot. My brother, even when we were touring in Citizen Way, um, we used to say this. Because we always, our goal is to get people to sing along. Yeah. And he said... Um, quoting Psalms, he said, God said, make a joyful noise. Yeah. It doesn't have to be beautiful. Because, um, And I think that's absolutely true. It's right. a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be beautiful. I remember in youth group, um, one of my mentors, so he was about four years older than me. I was in eighth grade. He was a senior. And his brothers, who a couple of years younger than him, standing behind him in the pew behind him, were singing worship. And his brother does not have a good voice at all. Yeah. And he's singing loud. <laughs> Really loud. Yeah. <laughs> and his brother in front of him is getting embarrassed by it. And he finally turns and he says, can you, can you keep it down? You don't sound good. And his, the brother who was singing loudly yeah. without a great voice just says, he's like, I'm not singing for you. <laughs> and, and that it's always stuck with me, this mentality of like, make a joyful noise. Right. You're not singing for the people around you. Yeah. Yes, it's an act of corporate worship to our God in heaven but it's also a, a spiritual act of intimacy right. where you're singing your praise remembering yeah. all of his faithfulness and he gave you the voice right. in your lungs and he he just wants to hear you sing because that's important because, you know, you know, <laughs> like when I'm with my wife I'll be an idiot yeah. all along actually I'm an idiot anywhere but you know I'll do things in, in context of my relationship with, with 
with Jill that I won't do necessarily like for you. Right. Sometimes. Right. But um, one of the things that helped me um, studying scripture, you know, throughout the Psalms, we had this idea of all creation singing. Yeah. And I'm a person again. I'm I'm an old fashioned person. I like Southern gospel quartets. Sure. That's just that's my thing. I like it. You know, you get the guys singing bass, you get the guys singing baritone, tenor, and whatever else there is. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, if you just sit and listen to the bass the entire time. I don't find that enjoyable. Right. Or if I just listen to the tenor the entire time. Yeah. But when you put those guys together, it's it's a rich yes. harmony that's enjoyable. And I kind of began to, to picture myself within this grand celestial choir. Yeah. Um, that, you know, if you just listen to me by myself, I am horrible. It, it's, <laughs> it, it really hurts your ears and gives you a headache. But when you put Kevin Thompson in with the rest of the redeemed, the Church of yeah. God, singing a grand corporate song to the Lord yep. that is a beautiful thing oh it's and, a sweet sound and I, I begin yeah. to think alright I'm, I'm going to focus on that yes and, and then you know let the Lord listen to that and he's, as you said he commanded me to sing and because I know the Lord and because yep. I, I remember all the mighty acts he's done in my yep. life I want to sing absolutely well and going back to the, like things you would do with your you know in, in front of your wife that you want to yep. do in front of me you're intimate with God Right and man, uh, those friends of mine who are willing to be vulnerable around me, I'm so honored by that, yeah. and I, that it makes our friendship go even deeper because right. they're trusting me. Right, and I think it's the same for us to be willingly vulnerable yeah, with God. Good. You know, yeah, that is an act of worship in and of itself. Yeah, just yeah. Like, God, I trust you. You're worthy of my trust. You're worthy Absolutely. of this honor. That vulnerability leads to so much, not just uh, singing worship songs, but that vulnerability leads to confession. Yeah. And and us saying, God, all right, we trust you, but we also know, like, I'm a sinner in need of you as a Savior. Right. Can, you, can you walk me through this Christ-following yeah. life so that I can turn away from all the wickedness and honor you with my life yeah. as a spiritual act of worship in whatever I do, word or deed? Right. All for your glory. All right, well, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, <laughs> I think, in terms of application, I think we've really just hit it. You know, just sing. <laughs> you know, uh, but you can't do that unless first you have that intimate relationship with God. Yes. Um, and so, if, if first, if, if you're not a Christian, then none of this stuff is going to make sense to you, and none of it's going to apply to you, right? Unless you first had that foundational relationship yeah. with Christ. It's just a pretty song, otherwise. Yeah. So dig deep into your faith, dig deep into theology, I would even say, and I think all those are practical steps to, to intensify your yeah. worship. Absolutely. Um, so finally, we get to recommended resources. Are there, are there anything that you'd recommend for digging deeper? Or Yeah. Um, I just started the book for the second time right now. Um, John Bevere just released a, a book last uh, few months ago called killing kryptonite okay it's kicking my butt mm. and it's awesome um and it's it's about talking about the first church and yeah. when they had this mighty power god-given power and um whole cities communities were changed you know peter and i, I believe john would be walking down a road in rome and even anybody in their shadow was healed yeah and it was all the power of the spirit it was god um, why don't we have that today? And he talks about this kryptonite just being unrepentant sin mm. and of known sin, really, yeah. of us as followers of Christ following him, sure, but not following him too well because sure. we're 
still glued to idols in our lives. Yeah. So that's my recommended reading because it's it's teaching me of what mm-hmm. real worship actually is. Oh, let me get my technical stuff here. Um, <laughs> uh, Sing by Keith and Kristen Getty just came out not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I found that's a, that's a it's a short little book. It's really easy to read, and I think you'll you'll be blessed by that. Yeah, yeah 2017. They're good. great. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Tim Johnson, just gave me this book, Doxology and Theology um, by Matt Boswell. It's really a collection of different essays on the topic of of uh, worship, which mm-hmm. is really it's, – it's more geared toward worship leaders. Great. Um, worship by the Book by D.A. Carson. Again, it's a collection of several different essays, but I recommend anything by Carson. But just be prepared. It's going to be – it, it's good. You got to read this on purpose. It's heady. Uh, yeah, uh, I just knocked over all my books. That's okay. Cause this is just radio, not TV. Uh, John MacArthur, Worship: The Ultimate Priority. Again, another um, another good book, I think. And then finally, A Better Way by Michael Horton, which is really it's a fascinating book because he takes uh, really the drama of redemption from creation, fall, redemption. And weaves worship into all of that, which is really a, a great perspective. So I'd recommend that book, especially since Michael Horton's coming on the podcast later. Uh, you need to, to read that. So, well, thank you so much, uh, Josh, for coming on the, the podcast. And uh, we've already gone over our our time. Uh, so thank you for the extra time. That My you, pleasure. Uh, Anytime. I love it. So thank you all for listening as well, for hanging in this entire uh, time. Don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org or check us out on Twitter at BasicBibleCast. You can can recommend us on iTunes or share us on whatever social media platform you do. And uh, come back next week and we'll have another great program.